Well, good morning, church. It is good to see you guys ready to go this morning. If you have your Bibles, get those at the ready, and uh, we're going to be diving right in this morning. It is so good to see all of you guys worshiping the Lord and uh, right in your place this morning. We're going to look forward to what God has for us from His Word. And uh, we, we started last week a sermon series called Hall of Fame, and we got that name from Hebrews chapter 11, because in Hebrews chapter 11, there is this chapter that's devoted completely to all these Bible characters throughout the Bible who were great characters of faith, Bible characters of faith. They were, in a sense, in the Hall of Fame in the Bible. And so we go from all the way at the beginning of the Bible, from Abel to Moses, all the way to Gideon. There's all throughout Hebrews chapter 11, there are these Bible characters of great faith. And so we're talking about this over the next couple of weeks, some Bible characters who had great faith. Last week, we started with Gideon. And Gideon is such an incredible Bible character. And uh, we're going to be picking up uh, where we left off from his story again today in this, uh, this morning from uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and Judges chapter 6. And so we're looking forward to what God has for us in these uh, next few moments this morning. And the question we asked last week from Gideon's life was a simple question. How can we make a difference when the problems around us seem so great and we seem so small? How is it that we are able to impact the world around us when the world seems so big? It seems like we're tossed about towards to every whim the world has around us. How do we make a difference in the midst of all that? How do we make a difference in the midst of all of these things churning and storming around us? And so just to let, just to catch you up, because the story of Gideon is essentially the answer to that question. So just to catch you up from what was happening last week, we saw that God called Gideon, by an angel, God called Gideon to be the next leader of uh, Israel. He was going to lead the people of Israel out from under the oppression of the Midianites. The Midianites were a neighboring country who were really oppressing and attacks, uh, attacking and taxing the Israelite nation at this time. And God called Gideon to do this. And the reason this is kind of interesting is because Gideon was a no-name guy. Gideon admitted himself that he was a nobody. He was he didn't have any leadership skills. He wasn't a great military leader. He wasn't a tactician. He was essentially just a farmer. He was just a regular Joe. There was nothing really important about him. And yet God calls him to be the next leader of Israel. Again, Gideon was just a simple farmer. Nothing spectacular, nothing noteworthy about him. He wasn't one of these guys you looked up to. He didn't have hundreds of thousands of followers on his Instagram page. He didn't have a blue check mark on his Twitter account. He was a nobody. So God chooses him to free the Israelites from the oppression of neighboring countries. Of all the people God could have chosen, he chose Gideon, this little farmer. And the first thing God tells Gideon to do is to knock down the idols and the garden that was surrounding the idols in his father's property. So that's what Gideon does. First thing God tells him to do, the angel of God comes to Gideon and says, you're going to free Israel from the oppression of the Midianites, these neighboring countries. What I want you to do first is to go to your father's property where you live, knock down the false idols, and cut down the garden that's surrounding those idols, and then we'll go from there. And this is important because God was essentially instilling a principle into Gideon's life. And the principle was this. He had to change his home before he could change his homeland. God was saying, I want you to work in your life before I work through your life. 
And so that's where we left Gideon last week, was right here, he's knocked down the false idol in the garden fall, uh, that, were, that was around this false idol. And that's where we left off in Judges chapter 6 and verse number 33. So if you have your Bibles this morning, Judges chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verse number 33 to start off. It says this, Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. So after Gideon knocks down the idols in his home, he hears that the Midianites are gathering an army near, really near where the city he lived in. So, so now things are going to get real. Things are going to get real here because this army is coming. And, and this, this army, really, it came every single year, about this time, about, about the harvest time, which is where this, uh, this, when this story is set. During the harvest season, between August and October, this is when the, the, the uh, Canaanite army came to Israel, the, uh, Israel to attack them and to tax them and to take their goods. So every year they would come over uh, and raid Israeli towns. So this wasn't the first time but this would be the last. So the question is now, what does Gideon do? Gideon, this poor farmer, he's being called by God, hey, you're going to free the Israelites from oppression of the Canaanites and the Midianites. He sees that there's an army building up right outside his city that he lives in. What does he do? What does Gideon do? Okay, how does Gideon make a difference when the enemy is right at his doorstep? Look at verse number 34. Judges chapter 6, verse number 34. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abizer was gathered after him. So after Gideon broke down the altar of Baal and cut down the grove, God's Spirit empowered Gideon and gave him courage to blow a trumpet and call citizens together to form an army. And this is a big deal. Not a few verses ago, Gideon was essentially telling the angel of God, the angel of God, Gideon was telling him, hey, I, I don't really have any qualifications. I'm not the man for the job. I am just a poor farmer. Uh, my family is just a poor family in my tribe. I am the least in my family. I am a nobody. God, you don't really want me. And now in verse number 34, we see he's blowing a trumpet. I mean, this takes courage, right? This is huge. He's just this poor farmer, unsure about himself, and now he's blowing a trumpet saying, hey, let's go, guys. I'm gathering an army. I'm going to lead an army to take out these, our enemies. So he goes from zero to hero overnight. He goes from farmer to general. He goes from a nobody to the leader of an army overnight. How does this happen? How is it that he is able to, he is able to make himself the new military leader of Israel? I mean, he has no military experience. He's not a tactician. He's never been to war. He's never watched a war movie. He's never played Call of Duty. He doesn't know anything about warfare. How is this shift in his attitude possible? Where does this courage come from? And this is where it comes from. Following God's call. Watch this. When you follow God's call, you're given God's courage. When you follow God's step, you will find God's strength. When you follow God's call for your life and in your life, you will find that when you step out in faith, when you step out and follow God's call, He's going to fill your life with courage. He's going to empower you, like the verse number 34 says. He's going to empower you with everything you need along the way 
You see, when you follow God's call, you're going to find God's courage. God, Gideon had obeyed what God had told him to do. He took his oxen and his employees. He cut down the garden. He, uh, he tore down the false idol. And because of that, God fills him with courage. He empowers him with his spirit. And he blows a trumpet and says, hey, we're going to have an army. We're going we're gonna to gather a military and we're going to go after the enemies of God. We're going to go after the enemies of Israel. You see, when we follow in obedience, God always gives us the courage we need in the moment we need it. He empowers us to accomplish what he's called us to accomplish. It's like, um, it's like the other day, my wife was asking me to clear out some of the clutter in our closet, some of the clothes that I, <laughs> I haven't been wearing. And you know how it is when you, you have to clear out clutter in your house. Everything you look at, you're like, man, I haven't used that in six months, but I need it, right? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't used that since I've gotten married, since we have kids, but you never know, right? So, so you never want to clear out everything. But you know what I noticed when you clear out, and we've done this a couple times throughout our marriage. We've, there's been every, probably once a year, every six months, we clear out the clutter. You know what happens when you clear out the clutter? You have, there, you have a couple weeks or a couple days where you're like, man, everything's so clear. Everything's, everything's just perfectly organized. I have so much space. You know what you eventually do? You fill it back up with a bunch of new clothes. You fill that storage space up with new toys, new trinkets. You know what God is saying? When you clear your life of all the things that shouldn't be there, when you clear your life like Gideon did, you clear his home of all the stuff that shouldn't be, the false idols, the, 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 the garden that was surrounding that false idol. When you clear your life of all the clutter, it makes room. It, it, it allows a vacancy to be created where God can fill that in with his courage, with his empowerment, with his spirit in your life. You know what God is saying? When you will step out and obey, clear the clutter and just obey. He's going to fill that vacancy with his courage, with his strength, his empowerment. There are few things in our life that empower us more than clearing out the clutter in our heart, in our life, in our spirit. He will give us the courage we need in the moment we need it. All we have to do is obey. You see, there are few things in my life that I have felt qualified to do there are a few things I've been called to do that I believed I was ready to do. You don't need to feel qualified, though. And that's the thing God is getting across to, to Gideon. Is he doesn't need to feel qualified. He doesn't need to be qualified. He doesn't need to be a military leader, a trained military leader. God would give him that. He would give him that courage. He would empower him. All he needed to do was obey. All he needed to do was clear the clutter first and that God would give him his courage. You see this in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Look at this. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse number six. God is telling the Israelites, be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. You see, if God has promised to give us his presence and his courage, the only thing we need to do is follow. All we needed to do is obey. See, what's the thing that you know God is calling you to do? What's the thing that you know God is calling you to do, but you're afraid to do? You're afraid to follow through with. What's the step that you need to take, but it seems too big for you? See, what's the decision you need to make, but you don't think you can accomplish that? All we need to do is follow. When you follow God's step, you will find God's strength. It's like the story uh, I heard 
the other day about this man who was looking outside his window and he lived in the Midwest where there's great floods that sweep through the Midwest sometimes. And he was looking outside his his uh, lawn one morning and his lawn was connected to quite a big uh, drainage ditch. And it was raining, it was flooding, you had the storm, you weather. He was looking outside one morning as he was making his breakfast and he saw all of this water from the flooding sweeping through this drainage ditch, filling it up. And he saw as he was making his breakfast, he saw this little girl who had gotten caught up into this storm ditch and she was getting swept down and he knew the man because he lived there he knew that further down that drainage ditch that it kind of emptied out into this big river creek area and that if she got to that area down there she would be she would be swept down and she would drown so this man he he runs outside of his house and he jumps into this drainage ditch and he uh, he tries to grab a hold of this little girl who was going to drown in just a few minutes and he tried his hardest to grab onto something and not a few feet away from that main drainage ditch he grabbed onto the girl's hand and he grabbed onto a rock and by the time the first responders got to him he had held that girl and dragged her up onto safe ground eventually a few months after this incident the first responders gave him an award and it was a very fitting award because we think well well that's just what anybody would have done that's what any good citizen any good person would have done yes that's true but this man especially so he had deserved this award because this man when he went and he jumped into that drainage ditch to save that girl he couldn't swim he had no idea how to swim you see what god is calling us to we may not think we have the ability we may not think that we're ready we may not think that we're qualified you may say god's gonna god wants me to do something but i don't know how to swim in this situation i don't know how to get through this all we have to do is obey god will get us through he will lead us he will empower us he'll give us the courage every single time you don't need to be experienced you need to be empowered. You don't need to be experienced. You need to be empowered. You know what we need more than anything through our life? We need the empowerment of God. We need God's power in our life. More than we need education, more than we need money, more than we need any other thing, what we need is God's courage. What we need is God's spirit. We need his power in our life. More than anything, that's what we need. More than uh, witty comebacks, more than uh, pithy messages, we need Jesus. We need God's power. So Gideon blew a trumpet because God gave him courage to call an army. In a matter of moments, he becomes the leader of an army. Now, look at, the, look at what happens next. Look what happens next. This is pretty funny. This is, this, is, this is so human. This is so all of us. Look at verse number 36, 37, 38. Look at verse number 36. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put out a fleece of wool in the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And it was so, for he rose up early on the morrow, and thrust the fleece together, and wring the dew out of the fleece, and a bowl full of water. Okay, so, so check this out. Gideon blows a trumpet, and sends out a call to gather all able-bodied men to form an army where he is. He's now the general and leader of this of the whole endeavor, the whole military exercise, he's the leader of this thing. And the funny thing is in these verses is it's almost like he realizes what his courage has gotten himself into. It's almost like it, it kind of hits him, it clicks, like what he's gotten himself into. It's like he's saying to himself, I named myself military leader. 
I named myself military leader of this whole deal. I'm now the general. I blew the trumpet. I'm going to lead people into battle. What have I gotten myself into? What have I done? <laughs> and it's almost like he realizes, he recognizes what he has done. And so he goes to God and he says to God, God, look, I realize you called me to do this, but I, I, I got myself in deep here. I need some proof. I need another sign from you, God, that you're going to help me out, that we're going to win this battle. And so this is what Gideon says to God. He says, God, this is what I want to do. This, this is a sign I need from you. I'm going to get a, a wool blanket. I'm going to lay it out. And I'm going to lay it out overnight. Tomorrow morning, when I wake up, if that wool blanket is wet with dew from the ground, but the area around it is dry, then I'll take it as a sign that you're calling me to do this. I know it's, a, it's an odd request, an odd sign. I would have asked for something different. I mean, he asked for a, a wool blanket to be set out. And the next morning, if that wool blanket is wet with dew, but the land, uh, the ground around it is dry, then he'll take that as a sign from God that this is what he was supposed to do. Okay, fine, whatever. So he goes to bed. That next morning, he wakes up. The wool blanket, he looks at it. The wool blanket is sopping wet with dew, and the ground around it is dry. Okay, he has his sign from God. This is God telling him, you're on the right track. So what does Gideon do? Does he say to God, okay, great, I'm ready to go? No, no, no. What he says is, okay, God, I know you gave me the sign, but I'm still kind of doubting. Can I give you a second sign? Two times here. God shows, he wants, he got, Gideon wants God to show him the right way to go. So now look at verse number 39. This is what Gideon says to God. And Gideon said unto God, let not, let not thine anger be hot against me. I know this is the second time, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. So Gideon wants proof from God, not one time, but he wants proof a second time. So this time he says to God, okay, I'm going to set the blanket out just like I did last night, but this time is different because I'm going to set the blanket out. And if the next morning after I wake up, the ground around the blanket is wet with dew, but the blanket is dry, well, then I'll take it as a sign. So I want the blanket dry, the ground wet, the opposite of the time before. He wakes up the next morning. Just as God, just as he asked God to do, God gives him this sign. It's, it's wet around it, but the blanket is dry. So now he has, he takes this as a sign. Okay, now I'm going to, uh, now I'm going to go into battle. You see this at the verse, end of verse number 36 and 37. In spite of all this, you would think that God would say to Gideon, why are you questioning me? Why? I already told you what to do. You would think that God would say this. Gideon, why do you need more signs from me? I gave you a sign already. Gideon, just get going with it. You know why this is so encouraging to me? You know why this should be encouraging to us? In spite of all the doubt, in spite of all the uncertainty that Gideon has, don't miss this, God is still patient with Gideon. God has proven himself real to Gideon. God's proven himself with another sign, a second sign, a third sign. In the moments you are not perfect, God is patient. In the moments where you're thinking to yourself, man, I'm so uncertain. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I'm going to do. God is 
patient. The moments when you blow it, the moments you say, man, I don't know what's going on. God is patient. And this ought to be encouraging. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all figured out. You may make mistakes. You may follow God into something that's bigger than yourself. You may fail. You may fall. But God will be there every single time to pick you back up. Just like Gideon, he is full of doubt. He's full of skepticism. God, I don't know what's going on. You've already told me, but my faith isn't that big. God, I don't know what's going on. I'm uncertain. God is patient with you every step of the way. It's like, it's like puzzles. I don't like really like, I don't like, I don't enjoy doing puzzles that much. My wife likes doing puzzles. I probably told you about this before, but one thing I haven't told you is that the reason I don't like puzzles is because I get a particular puzzle piece and I want to put it into the little spot and I want it to be right every single time. But obviously it's not. I put that little thing in there. I put the little piece into the puzzle piece, into the main puzzle where I think it's going to be. And I get it wrong maybe 10 or 15 times. And, and you get one puzzle piece. You have to put it somewhere 10 or 15 times before you get it in the right spot. And so I just give up after a while. I say, man, this is, <laughs> I got better things to do with my life than to put this little puzzle in the puzzle piece, get it wrong 10 or 15 times before I get it in the right spot. My wife though, she gets this little puzzle piece and she gets it wrong 10 or 15 times, like I do. But the difference is, is that she sticks with it. You see, I'm not patient enough. I don't have time, I, I, I don't have time for this. My wife, she sticks with it. She says, oh, I get it in the wrong spot. I'm gonna try, try again. And she's patient with it, patient with it. She allows it to, she, it's okay if it's in the wrong spot once. It's okay if it's in the wrong spot five times, 10 times, 15 times. Eventually it will be in the right spot. You know what God is saying to us this morning? It's okay if you fail, you fall, you have doubt, you're uncertain, you're uh, discouraged about life. I am with you every single, you're not going to get the puzzle piece right every single time. Maybe not five times, maybe not 10 times, maybe not 15 times, but God is going to be there patiently waiting for you and with you every single time all the way through the situation. You see, often our life is a puzzle and we're gonna make the wrong decision. We're gonna fit the wrong piece into the puzzle or we're gonna be afraid to put any piece in at all. God is patient to stick with us all the way until the finish. You see, there's one thing you can be sure of. On your worst day, when you failed, when you can't see past that bad decision or that bad situation, when you're afraid of what the future holds, when it feels like your faith is failing, God is there patiently waiting to bring you through that situation. You see this in Psalm chapter 86 and verse number 15. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, watch this, long-suffering long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. See, this is what Gideon learned from God that day. From the moments when his faith weren't enough, wasn't enough, God's patience was. Well, on the days when your faith isn't enough, God's patience will get you through. On the days when you've messed up, God is patiently waiting there for you. On the days that you've fallen, God is right there with you, ready to pick you back up. He's not giving up on you. He's not leaving you. You may get that puzzle piece in the wrong spot. God is going to be with you every single step of the way. It's like the story I heard of this guy in Bible college. So years ago, my, my, my youth pastor told me about this story about a guy he knew in Bible college. This guy, he wanted to ask this particular girl out on a date in, in Bible college, Bible college context. He wanted to ask this girl out onto a date, but he didn't know if it was the right thing to do. He didn't know if he should. He didn't know if God wanted him to. So he did the same thing that Gideon did in, uh, in, in Gideon's story. He said to God one, one day, 
and he, he was going to lay out a fleece, so to speak, like Gideon did. He said to God, okay, I'm going to lay out this blanket just like Gideon did. And if in the morning, because it's supposed to rain tonight, if in the morning this, this blanket is dry, even though it's, it's going to be raining to, uh, tonight, if the blanket is dry when I wake up, I'll take it as a sign that I'm supposed to ask this girl out on a date. So that's what he was going to do. The problem was, is this Bible college student was a stupid Bible college student, and he told all of his friends what he was going to do. So all of his friends, when he went to bed, they were going to prank him. What they do, what they did is they knew they knew it was going to rain as well. So they got one of the one of his friends got a car and they parked at the car right over where the blanket was. And so uh, that night when it rained, the blanket would be dry, just like he was praying for. But when he woke up, he would see that. But before he woke up, they would move the car. They would move the car out of the way early in the morning. So he when he woke up, he saw the blanket was dry miraculously. He thought this was this was God answering his prayer, just like he answered Gideon's uh, request. This is God do, pulling this fleece out. And so he goes up, thinking that God wants him to ask this girl on a date. He goes up to the girl, and he asks that girl out on a date, and she shoots him down. <laughs> she says, no, I'm not going out on a date with you. What's the point? Is that God never leaves our side. God never steers us in the wrong direction. You see, his friends pranked him. God's not pranking us. God's not saying, you know what, I'm going to lead you in this direction, then he'll leave you out to dry. I'm going to be with you, patiently waiting every step of the way. One thing you can be sure of, God's never going to play games with the direction he has for your life. He's going to be with you every single step of the way. Now, let's see what happens after God reassures Gideon these two times. Look at verse number, uh, chapter number 7, verse number 1. Then Jerubbabel, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him, rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Marah in the valley. So after Gideon is reassured by God that he will win the battle, men from the surrounding tribes gather to where Gideon is and they create this, they create this army, they create this military, and they gather 30,000 troops, 30,000 soldiers, 30,000 men to face the Midianites in battle. Now, you may think that's quite a bit of men. That's a lot of men. But even though they had 30,000 men, the Midianites, the enemy, had 135,000 men. So Gideon has 30,000 men. It's a good start, but they were going up against 135,000 men. That's 450 to one. For every one Israeli soldier, they would have to defeat, they would have to kill 450 of the enemy. So he needs more troops. This is an incredible situation. You'd expect God to tell Gideon after this, Gideon, you got 30,000 men. Good start, buddy. You're on the right track. Keep calling more men. Keep getting more men. You need more men. Not only do they have a bigger army than you, but those are battle-hardened, trained fighters, and your men are essentially farmers with pitchforks, have no military military training, they have no weapons. You need to get more men. You expect God to say that. Great job. You have 30,000 men, Gideon. You need more. That's not what God tells Gideon. Watch this. Verse number two. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people that are with thee are too many for me to give 
the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Now therefore go to, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead, and there return to the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. So this is unbelievable. Instead of God saying that the army was too small and they needed to get a bigger army, God says to Gideon, your army's too big. Cut it down. And so Gideon cuts his army down 20,000 men. He's left with 10,000. Because God told him, no, 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 your army's not too small. It's too big. Cut it down. And so maybe Gideon's thinking, I got 10,000 men left. God, okay, we got to take this. I, I can't even win with this. God, what do you want me to do? Look at what God tells him again in verse number four. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people are yet too many. Bring them down unto the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. And the Lord said unto Gideon, by the 300 men that lapped, will I save you and deliver the Midianites into thine hand and let all the other people go every man unto his place. So God came to Gideon and told him the army was still too big. It's 10,000 men now. And so Gideon cut his army down to check this out, 300 men. I mean, this is like, this is like King Leonidas and the Spartans with his 300 men going against the Persian army at Thermopylae. This is 300 men against 135,000 battle-hardened soldiers. And these weren't just 300 men that Gideon had. They were just 300 farmers with pitchforks. No weapons training, no military training. And this is what God tells him to do. So why would God do this? You can't win with 300 against 135,000. Why tell Gideon to cut down his army to 300 men when there were 135,000 of the enemy? Why would God say something so ridiculous to Gideon? Here's why. Because God wanted to give the victory. Check that out. God wanted to give the victory to Gideon. God wanted to win the battle for uh, Gideon. God didn't want Gideon's army to win the battle. God wanted to win the battle for them. God wasn't expecting Gideon's men. He was never expecting Gideon's men to fight the battle. It was never God's plan for Gideon or Gideon's men to fight in this battle. It was always God's plan, all from the start, for God to fight on their behalf. You see, God is the one who gives the victory. Often we wonder to ourselves, how are we going to get through this? Often we wonder to ourselves, how are we going to get through this situation? How are we going to get through this season in life? How are we going to get through these circumstances? How are we going to make it when our nation is going the direction it's going? How are we going to make it? God was never expecting us to make it. He was going to make it for us. See, God was going to win the battle for us. How can we change what's happening around us? We think. How can we make a difference? We think. I'm just one person. I'm just one of the 300 of Gideon's army going against 135,000. How will I make it through this situation, this decision, or this transition? The answer is God will give you the victory. God will make it for you. He will make a way for you. You are never expected to fight the battle. God is expected to fight the battle for you. 
You see, this is the whole point of the Christian life, is that we're not expected by God to fight the battles. He's going to fight the battles for us, through us, and he's going to win them for us. God will give us the victory. All we have to do is obey, follow in faith, be empowered by his spirit. He'll claim the victory for us. It's like the, 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 the story, the history story of World War II in the 101st Airborne Division. One of the, my favorite stories of World War II is this one particular individual named Dick Winters. Lieutenant Dick Winters in, uh, of the 101st Airborne Division in World War II. And you can see him on, on the show Band of Brothers. But he stuck with his men from all the way from recruitment to uh, D, from Normandy all the way to Berlin in D-Day. From recruitment, Normandy to D-Day. This Lieutenant Dick Winters went with his men the entire uh, couple of years of World War II, all the way from recruitment to where Hitler lived. And this Lieutenant Dick Winters brought his men, when they were just recruits, he led them to victory every step of the way. I mean, all the way from Normandy to Bastogne to the, to the, the border of Berlin, all the way to where Hitler stayed. This Dick Winters of the 101st Airborne Division brought his men and led them to victory every step of the way. This is what Gideon would do for his men. But more than what this is what Gideon would do for his men, this is what God would do for Gideon. And for us this morning, it's not just about what God would do for Gideon. It's what God's going to do for us. God's going to lead us from the time we are newborn Christians to the time one day when we meet him in heaven, God is going to lead us to victory all throughout that process. All we have to do is follow. All we have to do is say, God, I will obey you every step of the way, and he will win the battle for us. You see what Gideon learns here? Is you don't have to be many to be mighty. All you need is Jesus. Jesus allows us, even though we're not many, we can be mighty. This is why the Christian life is so amazing. God strengthens us when we follow him. He is patient when we are afraid, and he leads us to victory either way. So whatever you're facing and whatever he's called you to do, do it this morning. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for your word in this quick story of Gideon, part two of part three in our story of Gideon. God, right now, I pray that you would speak to our hearts from this story. Gideon is about to go into battle. Next week, we're going to see him go into battle. But right now, you have something to say to us. Right now, your Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. Right now, we can, we can stand firm. We can have courage this morning, knowing that you're going to be with us when we fall. You're going to be patient. And you're going to lead us to victory regardless. God, I pray that you would encourage us this morning to take that step of obedience, take that step of faith, knowing that you're going to give us the courage, you're going to be patient with us, and you're going to lead us to victory. Right now in your own heart, wherever you are, you make that decision. Whether you've fallen, whether you failed, whether you're a little skeptical, you're a little doubtful, God's going to be patient. Make the decision. You're going to follow him in faith regardless. You're going to obey in his direction this morning. Right now, you make that decision. God, thank you for your word and how it speaks to our hearts and our lives. 
I pray that this week we remember these words that you had for us. I pray that you would allow us to call to memory these thoughts and these principles and these truths and this story when we need it this week. And I pray that you would give us the courage we need and lead us to victory through these seasons of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it was good to worship with you guys this morning, and I hope that was an encouragement to you. Remember, it doesn't matter if you have mistakes. It doesn't matter if you fall or you fail. God is patient with us every step of the way. All we need to do, obey, all we need to do is obey. He's going to lead us to victory. Have a great day. God bless. See you guys next week.